Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And may I say a wonderful good morning to you. I usually greet you with a good day, but it is early in the morning. I'm getting some early work done before the fall break as my daughter is coming home from college. And my wife and my daughter and I are going to spend some time together uh, next week uh, going throughout the beautiful state of South Carolina and possibly moving up into the wonderful, wonderful state of North Carolina and over into East Tennessee just for a time to be together. And so I'm gathering things together and uh, in the barn studio here and looking at a wonderful week of rest. And I'll be with you in our early morning classes for sure. But also, I want to be able to give you podcasts as we continue through the book of Revelation, but also some other things here. And I want to share to you today something that I think is very important for Christians to know as we look at the wonders of the Lord of heaven and we rejoice when we see the many promises to the believer. Isaiah 65 and verse 17, the Lord says, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. We're looking at the promise of Isaiah 66 verse 22, For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I make will endure before me, declares Yahweh, so your offspring and your name will endure. What a promise of permanency to the believer. We can see the hallelujahs uh, in Psalm 148. We We bring praise to the Lord because of what he's done and what he continues to do and what he will do. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it goes beyond our imagination what he has prepared for us in heaven. I mean, think about it. We've talked about this in earlier studies. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. The Lord says, I will also give the believer a white stone, and on the stone a new name that is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. Powerful and even private rewards from the Lord. Isaiah 56, verses 5 through 8, the Lord says to the believer, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. No wonder we can say like in Luke chapter 6 and verse 21, in heaven we will laugh, we will feast. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11, and all these promises. And when we see these joys, it's very, very important for us to realize with all that the Lord is giving to us in our eternal life, what's our condition here in the temporary life? I think about this whenever I'm looking at the beautiful, beautiful psalm, Psalm 51, which is very striking because it is an open confession to the Lord of how great you are, Lord, and how I am in need of forgiveness. I know it's just like Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah sees God in his, on his throne, he realizes, I'm, I'm a, a sinful man, I'm a wicked man, I need grace. I need mercy. And he has given that. Daniel chapter 9 is beautiful prayer of recognizing his own sin. And you say, wow, we can find few people that were as holy in their conduct as Daniel. But he was free to acknowledge 
his sins, and it was a beautiful prayer that brought down the angel Gabriel from heaven in uh, recognition of that wonderful prayer. So in saying that, I'm wondering now, as we've been studying all of these promises of heaven, we tend to say, well, yeah, look at what's coming to me. But what I want to do today is in looking at heaven, is we would say even more so, look at my condition and how I want to be right with the Lord every day. The other day we had uh, a man who had posted on one of my social media, uh, he said that he didn't sin. He had sinless perfection. And so I dealt with that and finding out and, and concluding among many passages, 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth's not in us. But we do see the promise whenever we take a look at 1 John 1, 9, the very next verse gives a wonderful promise. And it says, if we confess our sins, he, meaning the Lord, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We look in Psalm 51, and when we take a look at that, we see something magnificent in the recognition of a forgiving God, and also very intimate whenever we realize that David, the great King David, is saying, Lord, I have no reason to appeal to your justice. I know I'm done. I need your mercy. Lord, in all of this, whatever happens, your name will be glorified in this. So I want to read to you, uh, I'm going to take the beauty of the King James Version and read to you the wonderful passage of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is 19 verses. It is an easy read, but it's also a wonderful devotion for us to help us understand the greatness of the Lord, the forgiveness of the Lord in the face of our failures and our constant battle. As Paul says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? But then he's thankful at the conclusion of the chapter, and you can read that. Here's Psalm 51, and I'll read from the King James Version today. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. 
and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. What a wonderful passage here. And when I see, among many things, we could take numerous podcasts and talk about this prayer by King David. What did King David do? Well, Nathan the prophet has just come to him and said, God knows what you did. You took another man's wife, Bathsheba. You went to her. You impregnated her. You hid this from this one, this wonderful man who was so loyal to you. You took this soldier, had him murdered by sending him up into the front lines, and then you acted in nobility as if you were honoring him by taking his wife in to, quote, care for her. God knows this, and the reason, David, is not so much that you've taken a woman in adultery, not so much that you have murdered a man, but even more so, you have given the enemies of God reason to mock the Lord. In all of this, you are guilty. Now, David realizes what he has done, and he is calling out and recognizing. Listen to the personalness of this, and may we remember this. When we go before the Lord and we say, well, Lord, if I've done anything wrong, forgive it. No, no, no. We name specifically, Lord, I have done this. When I was uh, teaching in the College Prep Academy, we had a boy that started rumors against a girl totally unfounded, out of bitterness. It became horrible. And they asked me to intercede on this and then bring the boy in and also the girl to whom he had made this false accusation. His father came in trying to uh, bypass this and deflect the, uh, any of the guilt on the boy. And I told the father, I said, you need to stand back. This is not of your doing. You are a member, but this young man I'm going to have him speak first. And he's brought in, and we're going to have this uh, uh, taken care of. And the boy very clearly said, I have done wrong. This was my sin. And I said, well, you don't have so much have to tell me. You have to tell her. He walked over as she stood there, looked face to face with her, and said, I've done wrong. I confess. I apologize. I have done wrong. And she looked over all the grief she'd been there, and you could see her settle. And she said, it's okay. I forgive you. And this was a very, very powerful uh, uh, a part of that year to me, that this young man realized a sin was getting out of hand, and he needed to make a confession and have it stop right away. And he actually did. And I think about that when I think about those that are willing to make uh, acknowledgement of their own sin and do right. Listen to what David says. Wash me thoroughly from my sin, verse 2. Cleanse me from my sin, verse 3. For I acknowledge my sin, and my sin is ever before me. Look at verse 51. Blot out my sin, 51, verse 4. Against you and you only have I sinned, 
See, he is taking responsibility for his actions. And in this, he is saying, this is the most important thing, Lord, that I want to be right with you. This is what I have done. I think about this, and so many friends or so many acquaintances over the years have had a sin in which either they will not acknowledge or they, even worse, will remain defeated by. And uh, it's so sad on what the Lord can do with confession and reliance upon him. Years and years and years back, there's a man that was the father of one of my youth group members. And in a time when he was wanting to go into the ministry, the Lord had shut a particular door for him to serve. And rather than understanding, okay, when the, door, the Lord closes a door, he may open up another uh, avenue even wider. This man withdrew, he and his wife withdrew, became embittered, became morose, became very, very sad, and uh, withdrew. And uh, they were, uh, and, and they were very polite to me and my wife, and, and, and uh, we had no problem with them. But they just kind of gave up. And when I talked with the young people, they said, "Well, Dad, this has been this way for since we were born." And the girl of the youth group, the, the boy and the girl that were in the youth group, she was eighteen. So for almost two decades, this man had carried a just a, a, a sadness and even a bitterness against God for not opening that particular door. We all went to a men's retreat, and this young man now, uh, years later, who was in college, took his dad, men's retreat over in another part of Tennessee, and as we were around in the dark, guys were coming in on that Friday night around a bonfire, and some were coming in late from work and meeting at this camp for the weekend of uh, just intense uh, enjoyment in the Lord and singing and, and studies and things like that. Well, as they were standing around the bonfire, one man uh, leading the group said, does anybody have a prayer request or anything you want to say? And another man on the other side said, I want to say something. I want us to pray for, and then I'll, I'll make up the name. It wasn't his name. We want to pray for a man by the name of Jim Smith. And uh, he has walked away from the Lord. He is not following the Lord. He's very uh, sad and withdrawn, and he just is not. We just pray for him to come back. This was this quote-unquote Jim had just come in about two minutes earlier late with his son on the last-minute decision that he will come. And in front of the entire group in the darkness, this other man was openly asking for prayer for this one. Could you imagine having about 80 people sitting there as openly somebody is asking for prayer because of your withdrawal from the Lord? And that happened. It was extremely embarrassing and then the dark, you know, people start saying, hey, 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 to the man calling out that he is, he is here, shut you know, up, you need to quiet down, he's over there on the side, and it became very awkward. Well, in walking back to the cabins from there, I heard the college uh, young man say to his dad, I'm sorry you had to hear that. And I was behind them in the dark, they didn't know I was behind him. And the, the older man said, no, I deserve that, I, I needed to hear that, that was okay. And I thought about this, he started to deal with something and how it was perceived by others. And there's so much I can say about this when we're talking about our sin and how it not only affects us, but also as it is seen by others. Are we giving joy to the Lord? Are we giving uh, power to the Lord? But also, in whatever way that sin is in our lives, 
If you have a personal, what we might say, a pet sin that sometimes we just call a hobby or a mistake, or in the case of the one man that I had talked about, saying, well, I don't sin, that's just a mistake. No, we see very clearly even the wonderful King David is saying, I am filthy, I know justice will destroy me, I'm appealing to your mercy against uh, your, your mercy. Make me to hear joy and gladness, verse 8. I need this, Lord. Have mercy upon me. And you know something? This is what our gracious Lord does. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at Psalm 51 and verse 9. The call, hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Iniquities is another name for sin. And then listen to what we do. When this forgiveness happens, when you've been forgiven by somebody, don't you find graciousness and joy toward the forgiver? Isaiah 43, 25. I, the Lord's talking, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Are you kidding? You don't bring them to mind? No. 1 Corinthians 13 says that, Love does not keep account of things done wrong. Acts chapter 3 and verse 9, the call is, Therefore repent, turn around, change your ways, and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14, The Lord has canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Remember, Rome, uh, we have Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. God shows his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He nailed it to the cross while we were sinners. This is Luke 19.10. Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. and He took that certificate of death, the debt and the death, and nailed it to the cross, so it was forgiven. Hebrews 9.14 tells us how much more will the blood of Christ over those sins, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will he cleanse your conscience from the dead, dead works, to serve the living God? So, above all, as we see the Lord, as we're confessing our sins, it's we can't say achievement will put us back into God's grace. We can't say justice is going to be served here because we would be wiped out. Psalm 103 and verse 10, we are not, we are not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, or we would be done. Psalm 130 verse 3, if the Lord should mark our sins, who could stand? Yeah, good question. It's a rhetorical question. No one could stand, and yet he forgives and we see this so many times. We are seeing, I will blot out, I will remember your sins no more. I will remember your sins no more. Why? Because he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And you responded to my call for salvation. And now you are in my graces where I can forgive. And yes, I can forget. This is just a, a podcast of great call. Have you come before the Lord and ask forgiveness for those sins as a Christian that have been harming your walk with him? 
Would you go before the Lord today? He is gracious and he will forgive. And we can walk with him. Once again, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God bless you. Take care. This is Brad. Lord willing, we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.